0: Range Time is a bi-weekly podcast talking about guns, gear, and the shooting lifestyle. Opinions expressed may or may not be those of our parent company, sponsors, or advertisers. It's the Range Time Podcast. That's good. All right, I'm going to check. My, my microphone's working. Tim, let's check your mic. Make sure yours is working. Okay. All right, Joe, let's check your check. Joe. Joe, it's Joe, right? Yeah, Joe. Okay. I didn't want to f*** that up. Yeah, it's like already. First time, I know. I'm supposed to be watching my oh language God. on this thing. Mm. I am John Smith. I am your host. Huzzah! Um, we were, were kind of impromptu this week uh, because I had a, a good old, an old friend of mine, dates way, way back to, uh, to the high school days. A guy way. by the name of Tim Dennis, uh, mm-hmm. who is, uh, you are now former Air Force,
1: is that correct? Technically, I'm still uh, a reservist. Are you, you're, are you active or inactive reserves? I'm technically inactive, uh, individual ready reserve.
0: Everything in the Air Force is technically. Well, I had
1: to ask the guy that I work for. I was like, hey, what is my status? Because I am no longer active duty, and nobody is paying me money to put a uniform on. So what is my status? And I'll
0: pay you to put a uniform on. Mm, thanks, John. Brrr. We
2: better dance but, a
1: little. <laughs>
0: uh, Tim comes in, and he's like, uh, he, he, you know, I get a text a couple of minutes ago. He's like, hey, dude, you at work? up my like, yeah. At the radio station, I was actually pooping at the time. Took a, a gnarly picture text. of it. It was great. It's good stuff. It was like a like a Rorschach test in there. It's good stuff. Uh, and then uh, I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I'm here. Come on by." And uh, it's it's always good to see to see buddies of mine, especially Tim. Tim's a good dude. Uh, and then he's like, um, "Hey, how come you never put the Air Force on your podcast?" I'm like, "You know, that's."
1: That's a great gosh-damn question. Let's just do Army it right talk. now. A lot of Army talk, no Air Force talk, and I've been listening to the podcast over the last eight months like, yeah, this is wrong. Have, have I really been doing it that long? I think you started in January. <laughs> wow. I started listening to you when I was commuting for SkyWest to Minneapolis, so you'd see me sitting in the terminal in the Minneapolis International Airport terminal listening to the Downrange podcast. Oh, no, don't do that. Yeah. And you were counting listeners back then. They are like, yeah, we got like eight listeners, and I was And you were one of them. Yeah, you're like, one yeah, of the eight. I support John. That's great. <laughs>
0: So now, uh, what did you do in the Air Force? I know the answer, but tell, tell our radio neighborhood.
1: Yeah, mostly I just spent taxpayer dollars. Um, Fun. Very efficiently. I was a C-17 <laughs> pilot, um, <laughs> and I flew the C-17 Goldmaster 3, which is the greatest airplane ever. Um, also one of the most expensive airplanes to fly, so I, I efficiently spent taxpayer dollars and uh, did a lot of other really good things. And you brought your friend Joe with you today.
0: Hello. Now, nice Joe, I, I'm just meeting you for the first time. You were also a pilot, yes? I was.
1: I was stationed with uh, Tim back in the day. When's that? When's, uh, when's back in the day? What? 2000. 2013 to 2015, we were at McCord Air Force Base up outside of Tacoma, Washington. Okay. And so... Explain this to me. So I'm gonna I'm
0: gonna give you a little backstory. Joe, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be understanding Tim and I's uh, complicated relationship. That's Tim and I met cool. back in high school, working at a place called Discovery Zone. Oh, I don't know where days. are you from, dude? I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't. I think we had Discovery Zones in Albuquerque in the 90s. Yeah. The kids place. Kids place. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Every <laughs> My job was a... I was a magician in birthday parties. That was, that was my job. And Tim's job at one point was to fix the video games...
1: Yeah, I, You did that a couple of times. Yeah, Discovery Zone hired me to fix their video games because that's what I did at Chuck E. Cheese. <gasps> you were a Chuck E. Cheese lateral? No oh, way. Baby. Yeah, I was. And I think you knew the the manager at Chuck E. Cheese. He was my next-door neighbor. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you talking to me about him. You're like, I'm never working for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, you said that. And I was like, well, I guess John's not going to work at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I have no recollection of that conversation, but apparently Weird it stuck. I thought it was funny because he was my manager. <laughs> (laughs) And
0: you're like, my neighbor don't like him. Yeah, uh, I grew up living next door to that guy. And uh, he might listen because I know he's a shooter. So I'm going to (laughs) say nice things about him. He's a nice guy. But he scared the living death out of me oh my god he was like he was like vietnam vet and he he was every vietnam vet you ever met in the 1980s that was this guy like he was like he could kill you
1: just with a stern glance yes ladies right? and gentlemen the general manager the of Chuck general e manager of chucky e fucking cheese 45th south and state street back in the day not that was
0: now a chinese gourmet yeah, it's, yeah. A, <laughs> it's a chinese buffet place <laughs> but that was uh, so. Tim came in and he was. Uh, I remember he uh, uh, he had a lot more facial hair than anybody in our age group. Oh yeah, those were also good days. And he was a very tall guy, which I am also a very tall guy. So I immediately uh, hated him. Immediately, I'm like, no, bitch, this is my territory. Anything above five foot eleven, this is my real estate up here. You need to lose three inches. But then he hugged me, and we were we were good friends.
1: Yeah, we also. So I, I remember playing a lot of other jokes. Uh, being the guy that ran the games, I had access to all the tickets that would come out of the games that right. you could go over to the little counter and redeem. And one of my favorite things to do was to get a, a herd of kids together and be like, hey, kids... <laughs> John's got a thousand tickets, and all you got to do is tackle him, and he'll give them to you. That's, I remember that, or, or whatever. Like True I got story. Kids to do my dirty work, and then they would chase the other employees through the building, and, and everybody had a blast. It was like it was a good time. Like that—that that was a lot of fun working there. A lot of uh, high school kids employed in, in their job was to have fun. I met my wife working there. You, mean, uh, yeah.
0: um, you and your your buddy Darren and and um, and, and some other people. We had uh, this big group of mutual friends that. We would just go pal around after work in today's in today's world of social media and cell phones, it would never have worked like the sh we got away with at at this wholesome children's place after hours is just I will never be on the Supreme court more people more people in the discovery zone employment
1: chain saw my bear. Then saw my face. Yeah, but it was before cell phones with cameras, so no one has proof of anything. Exactly. And you know, you got those, uh, you've you. got those uh you've got those
0: tunnels with like the big orange domes on the side. They magnify things. <laughs> so I would put my bear in this in this in this dome and i would look i would it would look like orange grimace was mooning you from from the mcdonalds and it was my favorite thing to do ever and i think we got a, a couple of gnarly polaroids that would hang up in in scott's office hey kids polaroids are cameras
1: that used to give you the picture immediately in hard format not soft
0: so we graduate high school i go on to a lofty career of getting fired from multiple video rental places I heard that story uh, the other day
1: few, on another podcast. All true. i so
0: proud like, uh, of Which John. was right across the street from Discovery Zone, which was great. <laughs> was that Arby's I got in trouble walking to and got a jaywalking ticket, too. So if, you know, if, you're, if you're in Utah and you know the Taylorsville area, that was my stomping grounds, man. I think there's a Cafe Rio there now. I'll have to look um, anyway. Yeah. Uh so then, then uh, this thing called Facebook comes around, and in 2010, I see that my buddy Tim is now Major Tim Dennis with a glorious mustache
1: flying C-17s for the United States Air Force. Yeah, that okay. mustache was awesome. How did that happen? Uh, you know, a great, uh, interesting story. I, I got out of high school, um, and I started building houses. Uh, in in Salt Lake, you know, residential construction. And uh, I was framing along one day, and I shot a 16-penny nail through my finger just with the nail gun, shot it straight in. And I I held my finger up, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, you know what? I bet there's a better way to earn a (laughs) dollar. And um, and I pulled the nail out, you know, like with my pliers, and I went back to work. And the next week I was enrolled at uh, the community college. And I wrapped up a drafting degree and a general studies degree there. And I was like, oh, this school stuff's not so bad. Maybe I should be a, an engineer. I talked a lot of smack about that in high school. So I transferred up to Utah State. And then I was up there. And I was like, engineering's not so hard. Maybe I should pl- fly planes for the Air Force. And so, Just like that? Kind of, essentially. I mean, I Because was, is there a bigger panty drop in the world than a, than
0: a, than a, than a pilot for the Air Force? I mean, that you are you are guaranteed high fives for the rest of your life it doesn't hurt right what? i mean even like even like nowadays you guys are both still pilots uh, uh Tim you fly for SkyWest? no I fly corporate for a company you fly
1: Ogden airport now oh no way so yeah, you
0: did you did fly for Skywest for a brief. Time. Like
1: six months. That commuting to Minneapolis thing, it sounds kind of glamorous.
0: It's we not. should probably not tell people who you work for if you're on this podcast. I'm, I'm thinking that out loud. I don't even, like, I'm... Yeah, what could go wrong?
2: But, know. Joe, you're also I, still a pilot, I right? Actively fly for a, a large company and then a, a part-time military company. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so are you? Like you're so, so you're still CIA, in the Air Force, right? A little bit, yes. <clears throat> That's awesome. Maybe like 20 percent of my. Do you? So Air you still Force. fly for the Air Force? I do. C-17s. Yes. Did I see you flying the other day? No, nope, that wasn't me.
0: Because <laughs> I, I was actually, I was just telling the story before we turned the mics on. I, I actually thought about Tim when some C-17s were flying over the top of me uh, the other day. I'll have to tell that story in a minute. So I want to. I want to get back to Tim's story here and find out. So you decide. Okay, I'm going to be an American badass. I'm going to okay. be.
1: I don't know that that was the decision I made, but I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fly planes. Like, let's go for it." And then everything just kept working out.
0: Because that's Utah like State that's State. like something a seven year old says. Like, "What are you gonna be when you grow up? I'm gonna be a fighter pilot. I'm gonna be a jet. I'm gonna fly planes for the Air Force." Yeah, that. It, and it's really
1: that simple, you know. Like, it really <laughs> it's is. It's really like kids are sitting around simple. like, "I want to fly that plane," and it's like, "Well, cool. That's step one, right?" And then the next step is figuring out what you got to do in between. You know, you and the plane, right? Like and
0: how did you, uh, so, so what was step two?
1: Uh, step two is you, you have to learn a lot, right? you got to get educated. you got to talk to people who, who know what's going on and understand the process. And then you have to go out and, and do something, right? So you got to get good grades, and you know, you got to be physically in shape, and you got to be a good citizen. All this kind of stuff goes into the, to the process. And so once you understand that, it's really not that hard. You just have to put the effort out. And um, once you commit to doing that, most people can make it, as long as you're not medically disqualified. So good grades, good citizen, no criminal history. Well, you've got to have a minimal criminal, criminal record. Eventually <laughs> it will disqualify you, but you can, you can make some mistakes. You can, you can have a parking ticket. Yeah, and that's not really an issue. Um, I actually had a trespassing ticket um, when I got in high school uh, at the ripe old age of 18. And, and I went down to the courthouse, and it was first offense, and they were like, cool, we're, we're, we'll leave this off your record. won't be there. And when the Air Force did my first security clearance. It wasn't off your they record. They found it. Yeah, yeah they found Nothing's it. Nothing's off they were your record. Because they, they, yeah, they thought I didn't disclose it. They are like, why are you lying to us? And I was like, oh, uh, they said it wasn't there. you know." And, but the judge said. Yeah, so that was my first security investigation was explaining why I didn't tell the truth. Um, but, but it worked out. I still became a pilot. Um, <laughs> Just like any job. I mean, if you're honest and you own things, people make mistakes.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it. I tell people all the time. Like, I help a lot of people out with recruiting, and and they're like, "Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell them that I'm uh, no." Always, the recruit. <laughs> Trust me, the recruiter will will do whatever it takes. I don't care if it's if it's pushing papers in front of a judge or doing somebody favors in a flying J bathroom. The recruiter <laughs> will do whatever it takes. Is that two leg taps or three? <laughs> it's always two. If you do three, if you do three, it's a crime. Always two, then you've got then you've got plausible deniability. Uh, that's also the back way into becoming a pilot. If but you, if you can get the leg tap code right. That's, it'll be fun. that's step three. <laughs> <laughs> but the, always tell the recruiter. Well, it's, and and they'll then you're not wasting anybody's time. They're not wasting your time, and they'll
1: do whatever it takes. Well, you wouldn't want to like you wouldn't want to lie and then get in and then live with that lie over your head. Like, Especially because be it becomes a felony once you're in. Yeah, yeah. they and, find out. Yeah, and
2: they'll remove you from service.
1: Yeah, that's not going to be fun at all. And then you'll be in, and you'll be living this lie, and you'll be around all these guys that are that are, you know, and you yourself will be living with integrity, right? Because that's kind of the ethos and. And you know now you're forced to live the lie and try to have integrity at the same time. So it's not worth it uh, to try to jump in the military under the pretense of of a a, a false pretense at all. Right. So anyhow. So once you're in the Air Force, uh, and and you've you've
0: made all the decisions they they're on board they've checked all the boxes what then do you start as do you start as a as a airman 1 do you start at e1 or do you
1: start immediately as an officer uh there's some technical things in there but once you you commission as you graduate from college you commission as an officer as a second lieutenant and then you just start the process there's a timeline everything's pretty predictable after that And if you're selected to be a pilot, you you wait until there's an opening in flight school, and then you go to flight school. Now, did did they decide what kind of plane you fly, or did you decide that? Uh, they, they asked me to write it down on a piece of paper, and then they wrinkled that up and threw it in the garbage can. That's awesome. To fly. Um, so Please tell me that is 100% true. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. I don't know what they did with the paper after I handed it to them, but I certainly didn't get my first pick. Um, it's really a supply and demand issue. Yeah. They, uh, they determine where the holes
2: are, and they put those up to the classes. And then based off your performance, the number one person gets the aircraft that's available in that drop because forgive me i know that you
0: guys are both c17 pilots but nobody picks the c17 right that's like nobody looks at
2: that is and goes pretty
1: desirable yeah,
2: really in, in terms of a heavy world see there's two worlds there's a fighter world and there's a heavy world okay and so in the fighter world they rack and stack all the fighters and then all the heavy guys rack and stack in the heavy world so c17 is probably pretty top level
0: so if you know you're going to be flying heavy aircraft C seventeen. You you don't want to fly one thirties. You
2: don't want to do a lot of guys like one thirties. Do, do they? They like the big weeks. turbo props. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a KC one
1: thirty five pilot passing gas. <laughs> that was my dad's job, actually. Dis- disclaimer. Um, uh, I would love for the Utah Guard to hire me and let me pass gas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they they've, they've got the one thirty five. <laughs> my dad was a crew chief on a one thirty five, oh, nice.
2: so he wasn't a pilot. But well, and that's just a joke. They a lot. I know I have a lot of good buddies in the one thirty five, and they have a blast.
0: That's, um, that's kind of one of those jobs where when, when, you, when you fly the 135, everybody kind of comes up and high-fives you, too, because they're like, yeah, buddy,
2: you're, you put gas in the tank. I'd be dropping over Idaho somewhere if not for you. That's... Yeah, everybody jabs each other, but to be honest, you're going to find purpose and have a lot of fun in every single airframe. I can tell you I've ridden, uh, I've ridden long distances
0: in, uh, in 130s, didn't care for it much. Uh, the 130, or the, uh, the 17, however, was. Awesome! Oh yeah, like
2: the that.
0: That was um, that, like I fell asleep, took a nap. Uh, you, you know, wake
1: we up and cook some food. That's wo- what I do, right.
0: Woke up. You know, the pilot was asleep next to me. It was the thing was flying itself. It was no seriously though. Like I did, um, I did some media stuff. I went to Iraq a couple of times. And, oh nice. Uh, we'd go in and out of 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 uh, Kuwait and into Biop and and back and and forth. And uh, it was either on a one thirty
1: or on a seventeen. And if it was a seventeen, I was like. Yeah, I'm getting some sleep. It's yeah, going to be not, a great ride. It's not it's that too. John needs it, but for the people who haven't been to these choice destinations in the world, I have always given John mad props for signing up as a civilian and heading to Iraq. It is, it is quite a show over there, and if you haven't been there, if you haven't served in some capacity, whatever that is, you, you probably don't understand but for John to suit up and go over there, mad props, man. And I that was mean, a hoot, man. Was, yeah, yeah that's cool. And that's what you find out is you get over there and you find out that the American military is just made up of good dudes. Good dudes and good gals everywhere you look. Best so. best men and women in the world,
0: hands down. Yeah. Uh, and that, that goes across all services because I've, I, you know, being, being uh, outside of the chain of command, you kind of just attach to whoever will take you. So I'd go out with Marine units, Air Force units. I end up on a Navy ship at one point, which... Soaked. Yeah, I felt bad for you. That uh, man, that was a rough gig. Oh, I did not. I will take ten years in Baghdad before I take another ten minutes on a boat. That <laughs>
2: that was, was a submarine.
0: No, so, it was so a bad. it was a fast frigate. It was the the FFG fifty four, which has since retired. It was a uh, it was a missile frigate, and it was basically going up the 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 west coast of the United States on the final uh, eighteen days of a. Uh, deployment for these guys. They'd been out doing some whatever the Navy does out in the water, and and they're like, hey, we're going to put you on this boat, and you're going to get to ride for the next, uh, you know, three weeks. And it sucked. I am not going <laughs> to lie. Like, they're like... Like, when you're deployed, you get food, you get rest, and you get logistics, right? You get everything that you need to survive. There's not a whole lot of frills. Uh, But you take that and you cut it in half, that's life on a boat. So, for example, there is a TV that 200 sailors share one TV and you'd think oh my gosh 200 of them uh 199 of them were men and one of them was a woman and she was the manliest of the bunch um did she own the remote she, no <laughs> um that was going to be my next thing who controls what channel it is well guess what there's only one channel <laughs> afn armed forces network 24 hours a day no that's not true there's a second channel that plays movies and I you not, they were all movies about boats. Uh, so you'd have, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, the Titanic, oh, Run man. Silent, Run Deep. Oh. like, like and, and then you have a guy sitting over in Capcom, and his only job is to put the VHS tape <laughs> in the thing when it runs out. Like, every two hours, that's part of his job, is to put this in. And so that's what he does and this this tv is not in a like giant mess area right it's in a tiny little kitchen mess hall and so there's there's mwrs on the boat there's rec areas on the boat but there's nowhere to sit and watch this tv so you're basically like playing dominoes or trying to eat a cold pancake in in the in the defac and you've got this one tv on showing uh titanic or castaway you know what i mean and you're just like oh my gosh then isn't that like a form of torture to put someone on a boat really was it was so bad or you could watch football games from two weeks ago that afn is piping in through
2: you already know the score
0: right through whatever the internet the boat gets
2: how, how good is the wi-fi
0: not good this was 2009, so it it was it was pretty spotty. So you still have porno mags in all the bunks. Yep. Well, <laughs> oh, cool. and that's the other thing. <laughs> so mattresses. when you talk about your bunks, you're sharing a bunk. You have a hot rack. So it's yours for 12 hours. Ugh. So you get 12 hours to sleep, watch movies on your laptop, listen to music on your iPod, do whatever these guys do, and then at midnight or at noon, you got to get out and go somewhere else. Is there a sheet change? There are, there are no sheets. No sheets? It's like a prison cot. Like, it's, like it's a
1: vinyl cot. You're, you're basically describing prison, I think, actually.
0: Dude, I'm not lying. Prison is, like, so, and these racks, they're four, they're four deep. So there's one on the floor and there's one literally up so you can pressing hear the, the ceiling the below you and next to you and in front of you and behind you. It, they call it the coop because you're slammed in there like a PETA video talking about KFC abusing their chickens. Yeah. That's basically life below decks on a Navy ship. And it sucked. I just went off on like a 10 minute tangent. Yeah, that was, that was about one of the segues <laughs> I was really looking forward to. Actually, after listening to all the
1: podcasts, I was like, I can't
0: wait. We did get to do some fun things. We did get to shoot guns and... and uh uh, you know we got to shoot the big 20 mike mike deck guns and stuff like that but that's sick. But that almost
1: makes it worthwhile. I would think,
0: but dude, going to Iraq and embedding with, uh, with the troops and stuff like that, dude, that was so much fun. Like people tell me all the time, dude, I can't, that was so, br-. well, I'm like one, they wouldn't let me join cause I'm diabetic. So I had to find another way to go. Uh, and then when they asked me the second time, they're like, they're like, Hey, um, you don't have any health issues, do you? I'm like, Nope. Off I went. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Don't. Um, But, you know, and so people people say that to me a lot and I'm uncomfortable with genuine praise. You'll have to forgive me, but I appreciate you saying that but it really it was it was the opportunity of a lifetime and I would do it again in a second, man. It was I learned so much about what the world does not get to see and uh what life is like. Not just like not just watching Generation Kill on HBO but like <laughs> living on living on the Victory Base complex or out of the JSS with the Cap Scouts or you know, just eating cheesecake in the in the dining facility, man. I mean just just the everyday life was just fascinating to me. You mean a lot of good bros. I have friends to this day that uh, I've made, and, and, you know, it's been—I'm I'm doing the 10-year anniversary of my first trip to Iraq, actually, wow. which I think you were there at the same time. Were you not, Tim? When
1: were you there? Um, September, October of 2008. firm. I flew through Iraq um, in those dates. I was more in Afghanistan. In October of that year, I actually made it to India. But that's a whole other story. That's awesome. Yeah. I did end up in
0: Afghanistan by mistake Whoops. at one point in mistake. 2008. Well, I was doing a, I was doing a Space A flight out of uh, out of Ali al-Salim Air Base in Kuwait. Familiar? Which is, uh, Familiar? Which is a nice place. Uh, it's, it's filled with flies and not as... Honestly, I, not as nice as anywhere I've been in Baghdad or Afghanistan, for that matter. Ali is a shithole. But, um... Man, I'm I'm a dick today. I am I am just slice of of honesty. I am throwing all sorts of shade today, Um, but I got on the wrong flight. I manifested. You know, I'd been awake for like seven days. I hadn't slept, Um, and I remember this like it were yesterday. This was ten years ago, but I remember Super Troopers was on the screen. Um, They were handing out little cans of tuna fish and packs of like haji crackers for people to eat because we'd been there for so long. And they're like, "All right, your next space." say flight is uh it was macaroni was the code name for the flight you know for some reason I'm like I don't, I don't know I'm on macaroni I'm manifesting here's Thumbs my up, gear uh, and I get on the plane, the plane and next thing I know I'm at Bagram. like I'm like, this flight is really long. Like, it was like seven hours. I'm like, it does not take this long to get like to buy it. was like an inch on the map. How did it take two Seriously. Hours? And I'm like, like, and I had done this flight back and forth before, so I'm like, usually this takes like an hour. Maybe two tops if we have to corkscrew in. And I got in there, and there's fucking snow on the ground. And I'm like, I am in the wrong place. Oh, this isn't Kansas? Get me the hell out of here. And um, Afghanistan at the time, that was the good war in 2008. That was was the one that everybody was like, oh, you went to Afghanistan. Whew, well, lucky. Well, lucky's a garden spot. Lucky right? dog. Yeah, right. Um, Baghdad at the time, this was during the surge in the Civil War, so you were going into Baghdad, everybody was like, dude, be safe. You go and to Afghanistan hot. at the time, it was like, but then like the second time I went in, in 2011, it was just the opposite. So I'd tell people, oh yeah, I went to Bagram by mistake. They're like, oh, dude, are you okay? Are you alright? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to Baghdad. Whew, oh, cake, cake gig, dude. Good for you. So anyway that's like a 15 minute tangent I just went off that's on a good sorry about that so um so you find out you're going to be flying C17s uh how long until you're in the air cranking the stick
1: you know what? It's uh oh, I don't know, man. Uh flight school is like a year, single worst year of my life. Hated every minute of it. Really? Oh dude. Joe, how about you? I wasn't married with kids. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's brutal. My wife was pregnant and um like if there's one thing the Air Force hates, that's pregnant wives at flight school. Like put that on the list of things they eschew. Like they just they do not dig that. You just don't have time You don't have time. It's like twelve hours a day for a year. Yeah. And so so anyways, it was a rough year and I got out, got C seventeens, and I was I was just happy. I was like woo. Four engines, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. And then you go off and learn how to fly C 17. That takes about four months. Um, And then you get three actual flights in the airplane. And then they simulator training. Yeah, it's like 50 simulators, three flights in the plane, and out you go to your first base. And then they start flying you operational um, within, I don't know, you should be operational within 90 days. Okay.
2: So, So your first trip's to Bagram.
1: Yeah, there you go. Is it really? That's yeah, and it should Off, be. Like, off like, you go. Like, There's a couple things they want you to do. They want you to get an ocean crossing in because flying planes over the ocean is a little bit more work. And then they want you to go into combat and out of combat on your first trip. And they want you to check a bunch of boxes like that. And So so then you're trained. And then, Yeah, and then you're legit. Like You come back from that trip, and somebody signs a piece of paper, and now you can go on any trip. So you're you when
0: up. you're flying over the ocean, like... What do you do? Like, when you say it's a lot
1: of work, like, I,
2: it, I, I I'm, I'm the being the dumb guy here. I,
1: navigation performance at all times. I usually delegate that to Tim and I watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I play board
2: games like Catan. You could be a radio DJ. That's, I'm watching Netflix
1: right now as you guys are talking. Uh, the ocean crossings, all kinds of things happen. There's a lot of sleep, a lot of cooking. Uh, movie watching, book reading. You cook on the plane. Uh, oh, we got a great galley. You have to because you fly for twenty four hours. Yeah, our duty day, like so, whoa, yeah, okay. our duty day, like when we wake up and take a mission, they can keep us busy and schedule us for twenty four hours straight. And then at the end of the twenty four hours, we all turn into pumpkins and we have to sleep. <laughs> they have to give us sixteen hours off. And Pumpkin time, then and then we the Air wake Force, up. So it's a minimum of a
2: four to five star hotel i mean yeah we're doing okay oh yeah that's i'm not going there that night yeah
1: yeah. what do you think i am the army come on no yeah best western plus and nothing else peasants (laughs) so when we land they take care of us and we'll get like 16 hours of ground time and then we'll be back in the air for another however many hours and Mm -hmm. you'll run that for uh six to twelve
2: days depending on the trip that you signed up for so how many how many people are on that
0: flight? How many like if you're just your standard flight crew? So,
1: so the, the min crew for a C seventeen doing an operational mission would be five guys: three pilots and two loadmasters. Uh, and then depending on where you're going, sometimes you get a crew chief who's the maintenance guy. He'll come along, and keep the plane working when you break it in some crappy place. That okay. you don't want to be broken. Um, and uh, so five or six usually, and and that can expand. Uh, Depending on the mission requirements and then the min crew is three two pilots and a loadmaster, but that's not like a Combat crew usually but you can fly 16 hours in that capacity
0: (laughs) And so do you find out
1: like that day who your crews gonna be or is it like you 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 have the same crew every flight type of thing? It varies a bit Um, when you're doing missions at a home station You'll know a few days ahead of time who's gonna be on your crew And then if you're deployed, you'll have a hard crew, so you'll fly with the same group of guys guys for two or three weeks at a time, which is a a blast. That's just great when you're with the same dudes because you start thinking for each other, and you you know what that guy's going to do next, and life gets real easy. And you Um, start bidding to fly with your buddies. Like Tim and I flew from Dubai to
2: uh, Oman,
1: and you know we just chatted up the whole time. Dubai is awesome. Yes. Well, well, I didn't get to stay in Dubai in any cool way ever. I just landed there and took off again. Did you guys ever end up in Qatar? I spent I've spent quality time in Qatar. Yeah, I my mean, first marathon in Qatar. There's a
2: Chili's at that at that airbase. It's ridiculous. Which is awesome. See, I would go off base and go to the mall and then go ride go karts with all the ladies in their uh, in their in their their, their black their gowns, gowns. And yeah, I don't really know what I'm
0: allowed to do. That say. Ma- I know that mall that you're talking about. They have a Porsche dealership in the yeah. mall. Yeah. and there is a solid
2: gold Porsche. It's called the Bellagio. Yes. I, I know that I know exactly the so, one you're talking about. So I'm trying to maintain U.S. relations there, and they're... <laughs> you're, you're going to the quotes. Yeah. <laughs> we're f***ing go-karting, and all the girls in our hijabs, they are like, oh, look at these sweet little, you know, 12-year-old girls. No, man, they were T-boning us, throwing us in the walls. We're like, we're going to cause an international incident on the go-karts at the Bellagio. That's awesome. It was great. It was I, it,
0: you know, I, I have to wonder because I, I know I know exactly where you're talking about, and I used to make that joke. See, this is all if they don't let women drive in this country, it's because they see them on the go kart and they think that's how they're going to drive. It's probably true. That's yeah. t- that's where the th- th- that a good reason. That is why. But no, that's that's awesome, dude. <laughs> that's. That's funny. Yeah, because they're mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are mean. And they don't have black flag rules like NASCAR. No. They, you just you get in, you hit the gas, and you go. I'm gonna have to edit all of that out. Probably. <laughs> I don't know what kind of emails you get these days. Um, most most of it's most people hate it, but you know, hey, what? It's free. If you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. That's a, that's what we're doing here. But anyway, uh, well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, was it major or was it? What did you retire as? Did not retire, but I'm a major. That's right, inactive reserves. There you go, yeah. Major Tim Dennis. Not speaking on behalf of the United States Air Force in or no way, any sort or, form. or any sort of uh, public entity, uh, but I appreciate you all the same taking the time to come on, I Joe. I didn't job. get your last yeah. name, O'Bear. O'Bear, Joe O'Bear. Yeah. Uh, also, Major. Yep. Major O'Bear, not speaking on behalf of the United States. We did kind of talk about guns on this this podcast did, on this um, episode. Are you a shoot, you're a shooter in your off time, right? Yeah. Well, do you like I'm to, to shoot? i be a
1: better shooter, but yeah. Yeah, I want to get into three guns, so I'm shooting um, awesome 9mm and then uh, the uh you know, AR-15 platform and and then I got to leave it to the Air Force to screw that up. I know. Let's well, you know, I actually I'm one of the rare C17 guys that qualified on the on the M4. So I actually checked that box. Okay. But, and you guys all carry the M9, correct? Yeah, dude, we carry that in flight. Don't mess with us. <laughs> um, here's a little. Did you know? Fa- no, I'm not going to say that on the air. Um, well, I can edit it out if it's. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I should say that stuff. Actually, Matt. well, we break some rules. We do things that most. Let's not say, Yeah. Cannot <laughs> well, do. You can tell me after we turn We're the microphone. We're authorized off. to do it, but most people, most people in the military in uniform. Um, they do not. We do yeah, we are an exception to some rules. You can carry on condition orange. <laughs> <laughs> condition orange, we are we are allowed to carry. So um so yeah, we carry, and that that was funny actually. I quick story. I have a friend, um, and they were out flying, and uh, her co-pilot came up to him, her, and he's like, uh, ma'am, I, I got some bad news. I love this story. <laughs> and she's like, what? He's like, um. I, I dropped the gun in the lab. And, and literally. She, she, literally. Didn't believe him. Yeah, she didn't believe him. She's like, ha-ha, that's a good one. Never heard that joke before. You know." And he's like, no, no, no. It's, it's in the lab. <laughs> so I I'm asking to ask you why. There's, a, there's a lab. Yeah, I don't know what this kid was doing. There's a lab in the C-17 like any other airplane. It's got a little flapper valve, and, and then down into the blue tank it goes. So whatever this guy was doing while he was in the lab, his gun fell somehow into the bowl, hit the flapper, and went into the tank i 've done this I, I actually have to, I, I it's a
0: different it 's on an earlier episode you 'll have to go back and
1: listen so they, uh, anyway, so they ended up the guy's got a garbage bag over his you his have arm, to get the gun and he's yeah and he 's got to figure out how to get the gun out of the tank. Well
0: right? was there poop on it too did he yeah. oh yeah he had to take that, that.
1: Oh, see mine yeah. the the and bowl was, was blue, clean and he had to, and he had to go in and you know he had to clean the gun and then poo stories and guns I got one more. <laughs> Wait a minute. That doesn't end there. What do you do with the pistol once it's out of the lab? What do you- he had to take it back into the armors, right? Because we checked these guns out from security forces, guys, from from the armor. And he's, you know, he's like, got to tell the story, like, you know, because the armor is going to ask, like, how did it end up in the toilet? I would lie my ass off. I would just hand it in and go, "Yeah, this is Kat- this is Major Dennis's. This yeah, we is not fly mine." Around with like oddly, we don't fly around with cleaning kits. Like he had no way to effectively clean this weapon, right? Besides grabbing toilet paper or or whatever was handy. So he had no way to do a decent job of cleaning this this gun up, right? So depending on how industrious and hard-working he was, maybe he did a good job and he could turn it in without telling maybe not. I'm I'm doubting it horrible and then i was uh, i was a bagram flying a sortie one day or we were briefing the sortie and one of our enlisted guys comes in and he sits in the back of the plane and this particular day a lot of times they they had free time so they would just sit back there and read magazines if they weren't busy with the mission at the time so he comes in he's like man i, I dropped my magazine in the in the portage on And I was like, well, that sucks, man. What are you going to read for four hours today? (laughs) And he's like, not that magazine. (laughs) So he had dropped the magazine for the gun into the into the portajohn, which at no point in time is any port in Bagram clean in any way. For
0: those, like, I cannot, if
1: it's anything,
0: I cannot describe... Uh, deployment bathrooms well enough. I, I wish I had taken more photos.
1: But if Dante, you know, had written about these, um, it would have been somewhere near the seventh circle. Like, there may have been eight circles of hell um, if this had made it into the Divine Comedy, right? Like, uh, it is so... You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy.
0: <laughs> and so the true. funniest cave drawings you've ever seen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you have to go there like you, you, you can't you, hold it for however long your deployment is like I, you're gonna have I to made go. it 4 days that's it and that's then i good, i had to give in
0: I, I i was a shy pooper once upon a time that deployment cured me i was uh i was just fine after that oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen now I, I i'll where. do it on the side of a road now i <laughs> nowadays i just don't care um but did he have to retrieve the magazine?
1: Did oh, yeah, he? he had to. He got his hand oh, out and then he had to go in and pop all the bullets out of it and clean each one because he had to take it back to the people that had given it to him. Oh, and we all gosh. know each other. You know, we're all friends at this point in time. <laughs> that wouldn't happen
0: because you can't. You can't go back with, um, with with rounds missing or a magazine missing. Oh, people keep track oh, of that. No.
1: The Air God, Force. God you oh, lose Lord. A three cent round. Oh man, if you don't bring back every bullet that you take out, it is—it's an—it's inv- a few good men time. That's going down, man. There
0: only only one missing. magazine was returned with
1: a round missing. Yeah, well, this happened twice in my career where someone tried to turn in a magazine missing a, a round, and. <laughs> Good night. Lord. Good yeah. lord, man! Nothing spins up an Air Force Colonel faster than a missing bullet. <laughs> yeah. Crashing a plane is easier. I, I than I'm guessing
0: a bullet. a bullet covered in in. Uh, yep. We used to find boot prints on the toilet
1: seats. That happens in Afghanistan. I hate that. That's a cultural like... thing. Uh, but uh, until
0: next time, uh, make sure you check out the uh, the app. Share it with your friends on Facebook because uh, if people don't listen, I don't get to do it anymore. So until next time, ready, Hey! <laughs>